All right, welcome in. No, this is really happening. Welcome back to the Hockey Show Podcast. Not canceled, not gone forever quite yet. We are here. We are back. It's been a while, but there's a lot to get to. I'm Mr. Wonderful with me as always. And I am John. Yeah. All right. So, um, Nick, what's a band from your childhood that never fails to put you in the right mood? Oh, okay. Uh, we talk in like... Uh- because because i earlier today i listened to like two street like manifesto albums back to back and all of a sudden i was right back in ska mode okay know? okay well i guess i guess what i'm what i'm like so it doesn't have to be like from our childhood like band like we grew up listening to like godsmack it could be oh, like the doors the doors just put me in a great mood and that was a band that oh, i grew up sure. listening to as a child so yeah i'd say the doors anytime i hear the doors i'm just I go back in time and I kind of go down that classic rock uh, road usually. And your riders on the storm from di- from minute one. Yeah, pretty much. Like I'll I'll go crazy on the doors and then I'll slide over to like a Zeppelin or Beatles or something like that. Like if I myself kind of just go in that road for a while and then yeah, and then I'll pull back and you know something like Toby Keith passing away will make me go. You know what? It's been a while since I've listened to that. <laughs> Let me go listen to that now. <laughs> I like he songs do it during Black History Month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome into yeah, the, the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the tie-in that made me think a lot about this is the Anaheim Ducks are doing uh, Come Out and Play Night. Mm-hmm. It's a partnership with the Offspring, yeah. and I may or may not have looked at flights. Okay, that's not. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I would love to see more hockey teams collaborating with local bands that people don't think about as much. <laughs> well, I always think about The Offspring, but it's because I play The Offspring at least three times a day on my show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like you have to like walk the line with it and not be like it'd be like too careful with it. You couldn't do like the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Chainsmokers. You nah. would have to do like. Columbus Blue Jackets with Hawthorne Heights. <laughs> and they just sit there with uh, stereo the entire time waiting for goals. <laughs> yeah, we'll be waiting for a while in Columbus. Um, Seems so. All right. So there's a lot to get to. We're not going to get into everything over the last uh, month plus since we've been absent, but... Let's just start with, I guess, uh, I, I consider this kind of some big news, and that's the Kings fired their coach. So we've had a lot of coaches getting fired this year, and Todd McLe- uh, McClellan is now joined the club as of Friday uh, and has been replaced by assistant coach Jim Hiller. I mean, something clearly was going to be done in L.A., right? They had lost 14 of 16 games, a month of just bad hockey everything being exposed, a lot of things going wrong there and somebody had to take the fall and it wasn't going to be Blake. Yeah. They're three, five and two in their last 10, which, you know, is a microcosm of the record you gave. I'm not sure why I even mentioned it. Uh, But it's funny you bring up Rob Blake because as far as things, the team is struggling with, I think you can place a lot of it at his feet. Uh, granted, you know, Todd McClellan had stuff that he wasn't perfect about. Uh, he kind of ran Cam Talbot straight into the ground really early on in the season and hasn't had a whole lot of other alternatives 
uh, to offer up there. Uh, it probably doesn't help that Victor Arvidsson has been injured for most of the year. Uh, but this Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, really not working out great for this nope. team. No, it's it kind of really... And that's why I had mentioned Blake, because this was a team that uh, McClellan was hired to get them, you know, this was a rebuild team. And he was hired to get them kind of to that point of past the rebuild. Uh, he, he led the Kings for four and a half seasons, uh, 164, 130, and 44 record. Uh, he, he was in the playoffs uh, past two years. So, you know, over exceeding with the team. But Rob Blake put this team together with kind of trying to speed up the process of the rebuild and bringing in more veterans. And y- yeah, that it's it's kind of not looking good right now uh the the pld trade um it was a big swing man let's be real that was a big swing uh cam talbot also for how great he's been he's only been an 881 save percentage over his last 10 starts so it's not like he's been you know he's come way back down to earth that's catching up to him as well yeah, which they were off to a great start mm-hmm. uh, this year, mostly on Cam Talbot's shoulders. But the the thing to keep in mind about the Dubois trade is that it wasn't just the fact that they sent Alex Iafalo and Gabe Velarde out of town to like free up cap space. They also sent Sean Dursey to Arizona for basically nothing. Mm-hmm. So... It, to have that many holes in your lineup, it's almost kind of death by a thousand cuts now. And I don't know that a coaching change is going to bring about the results that they're hoping here. Yeah. This is like, like many of the coaching changes this year. Although I guess we could, we'll, we'll talk about the Edmonton stuff in a minute because I do want to talk about the coaching change there and some conversation about that. But I, I really don't think any of the teams that have made a coaching change outside of Edmonton needed to make a coaching change. And I don't even think Edmonton needed to make a coaching change. Edmonton was always going to be the team that they are right now. They just, Connor McDavid was injured to start the season. Like, but again, we'll yeah. talk about them in a moment, but sticking with the Kings here. And, and yeah, I don't think firing the coach is changing anything there. I think there are a lot of issues there and the Kings are in a position right now where uh, it looked like they were going to be a lock for a playoff spot with the start that they had setting the record as well with the road wins this year. Uh, And now they're in a position where similar to that of like Toronto, but I feel safer with Toronto right now, just kind of falling really hard to, they might miss the playoffs. Yeah, they are uh, two points up on Nashville for a wild card spot. Uh, they have three games in hand on them. So I would be a lot more worried about St. Louis overlapping them right now. They only have one game in hand on them, and they're up two points. Uh, but you, you're it's a very precarious position for them to be in. They banked a lot of points at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But they are going to need to be better than playing 500 hockey down the stretch here. And like we said, there's just there's so much missing from that lineup. And even, you know, goaltending wise, Phoenix Copley hasn't been great. And that was before he had an ACL issue. So at this point, do you try to get John Gibson? Do you try to go out and get somebody else for this team? I don't really know. 
I, you know, and that's the thing is you're in a position now with this team of you, uh, there are a few teams that are kind of finding themselves in an awkward spot as we start to approach that trade deadline, you know, ramp up to the deadline now over the next month, uh, even though for the second year in a row, third year in a row, it seems like trades are coming a little bit earlier uh, than the deadline. But as we ramp up to that, like the Kings find themselves in a weird position because, you know, do you think you're really a playoff? Do you think this is a playoff team? And and also, do you think that if making the moves and, and going all in on a type of deal that's going to require you to give up draft picks and prospects or NHL ready young players that are under control, you think that this is a team that can make a playoff run? Like, do you really think this is a team that's better than Edmonton now? Uh, or a team that's better than Vancouver or the Jets. Yeah, this isn't like the East where it's kind of wide no. open and no one's really kind of taking it and run with it. There's some real behemoths here. And, and if you want to blow off a bunch of assets to get stomped by Colorado or Vancouver or Vegas in the first round, it, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. No, it, it doesn't. It's It's... And you're right. Compared the two, compared like the East and the West this year, uh, the West definitely has the powerhouses. In the East, there is any one of those teams right now that are in a playoff spot. Um, you know, maybe outside of the Flyers for a lot of other issues that are probably going to hurt them down the stretch now. Um, you know, I, nobody really is running away with it. Nobody really is kind of that team you look at and you think, oh yeah, that's. That's, you know, everybody thought it was the Rangers for a hot minute, and it was the Bruins again, now, and now it's neither of those teams. Then everybody thought it would be Toronto, and Toronto's now sitting in a spot where they're only four points up, uh, and it looks like Detroit's going to overlap them at some point for, for the wild card spot. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a wild change to the second half. There's been a lot of just black and night turnover. Uh, there's been, you know, teams that were at the bottom are starting to look really good. Uh, chief among them, probably the Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the Oilers actually uh, have a chance to make history uh, this week. They're looking to stretch. I'm going to be watching that game after we record. They're looking to sh- tonight. Yeah. Tonight, as we record this game or as we record this show, you'll probably hear it after the game. Uh, so, You'll know, we don't know. But as it currently stands, uh, they look to stretch a win streak at 16 games to 17 tonight in Vegas and then possibly 18 Friday in Anaheim, which would break the all-time NHL record held by the 92-93 Penguins. And keep again, this was a team that fired their coach this year and was – dead last in the NHL. The Sharks were better than them at some point mm-hmm. this year. And, yeah, we, they, we were we were joking about that game and very excited to, to watch that game. <laughs> and, and we sat here and said, but if there was a team that all of a sudden put it together and yep. went on a run, you wouldn't be surprised if it was the Oilers. Nope, nope. And, and, now, and now here we are. They were perfect – for the month of January, 10 and 0 in the games there. Uh, they have been first in save percentage, first in power play goals for the year. Uh, Stuart Skinner has been a revelation for a team that barely had any goaltending. He's been, had a 935 save percentage. 
uh, everything is going right for them. Yeah, yeah, everything is going right for them, and and I think it comes down to the goalie situation. But 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 really, for me, Edmonton, like we said, if any team that was out of the playoffs back, you know, in November when people were freaking out and all of that, we looked at Edmonton always this year and went, well. Their goalie situation, they just they're not stopping shots. And these these are goalies that are capable of stopping shots, but for whatever reason this year, nobody's stopping a shot in Edmonton. And then you had Connor McDavid injured and not really either not playing or when he was playing, you it was very clear that the best player in the world was hurt. And then all of a sudden Connor McDavid got healthy. And all of a sudden, the goalies' situation, well, they remembered, oh, yeah, my job is to stop the puck, so maybe I should start doing that. And they started doing it at a, at a rate that is, I just think is unsustainable. And when it comes back down to earth, it's going to be, you know, that's when we'll really know what this Edmonton, Edmonton team is. Uh, but McDavid is at, like, is averaging, like, two at two points a game. Like, this is... When McDavid is healthy, it really doesn't matter at that point. Like, he is game changer, and Dreisaitl is putting up the points, and everybody's contributing right now in Edmonton, but it all stems from Connor McDavid being healthy and being able to put up two, three points consistently a game. And outside, because I, I tried to dig into this a little to see if I could pick out something individual because to me it's almost even though it's accurate to say it's almost too easy to say oh mcdavid oh goaltending works again Mm -hmm. oh everything's all together jack campbell has a 900 save percentage in the ahl by the way i don't know what happened to this dude i hope i hope he's he just lost it man he just he got like the yes falling off the face of the earth yeah um but one person you can kind of point to who's really benefited from this coaching change is Evan Bouchard. Uh, and I can't point to something in particular that he did that's different for all of this, whether it just looks like he trusts Evan Bouchard a little more and suddenly Evan Bouchard is performing better against better competition. His ice time's gone up. His power play time has gone up. I can't, figure out exactly how or why, but I blame Evan Bouchard for this. <laughs> well, he finally, uh, he finally started to do a top four defenseman. Um, I, I, I have a tough time. I don't know. I have a tough time looking at that situation there and saying, yes, the coach is what changed this. This is why there's 16 in a row is because of Knobloch and that, and his system. And I, I really just, Like, I just think that this is the Edmonton Oilers just with all things clicking. Like, this is the team that we have said, oh, they should win a Stanley Cup. Like, they're good. They're really good. Why are they not winning a cup? Oh, goalie. They were like the hands-down favorite to win the cup at the beginning of the season. Yeah, like, this is a good team. What's going on? And now we're seeing that good team just finally doing what they were always supposed to do. And just the coaching crossover, it, it you could have put it, uh, an inanimate rod there, and it would have gotten the job done. <laughs> Jack Adams winner for the year, inanimate carbon rod. Uh, but, I'll show so, you so, inanimate. <laughs> so 
if you're the Oilers at this point, I, I'm thinking that there's what's probably going to happen and what should happen. Mm-hmm. Should you go all in at the deadline? Oh, yeah. They probably will because this is more than likely Ken Holland's last, you know, run at this. I'm sure he'd love a little bit of a better legacy in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do everything he can to make sure this ends up being a successful season. But if you're the Oilers right now, everything is vibing the right way. Everyone is gelling the right way. I don't know how much I want to mess with that. Uh, Well, I think you don't go all in the way some other teams have gone all in. I think the all in for the Oilers and I'm, I don't have their cap friendly up, but I'm pretty sure that they're, they're kind of cap crunched as well. I think there's somebody that that they're looking more of the uh, they're they're looking to fill out the bottom six a little deeper. Uh, they're looking for the depth. They're looking to maybe shore up. I mean, like if I'm going to shore up anything on Edmonton, I I I'd want to add a little more defense. That's about it. But that's but I honest honestly I say that about pretty much every team because my feeling is come the yeah. playoffs, the things that you're going to need the most depth in to make a deep run to me is defense because my God, the amount of block shots, the physicality of the postseason, like at the, you're going to lose a defenseman or two. It, it, it's almost like saying we need to add another center yeah. because every team would like to have another center come playoff time in case the worst case scenario, you have someone else that you can lean on. Exactly. Uh, maybe they end up saying Corey Perry is their trade deadline acquisition. Yeah, that could be, uh, I I did not understand that move. Just but Colorado saying Zach Parise is theirs. <laughs> I mean Zach Parise, you can. I I understand the Zach Parise move a little more. And Ken Holland has always had a reputation as someone that's very willing to give second chances. Oh yeah. And when you looked at Evander Kane. You kind of said, okay, there's, you know, potential blemish to public image. There's a little bit of a risk we're taking here if this blows up in our face. Uh, the legacy uh, is but... between that guy and some of the guys on Edmonton. Oh, I know it's a professional sport, and I've not to compare the NHL to, you know, like beer league, but there are guys that yeah. I fought in beer league hockey that I ended up playing on a team with like two years later. And, you know, you just put that crap behind you. Yeah. You have that whoops moment in the locker room (laughs) and you guys just kind of are like, you know, what happened on the ice? Yeah. What happened on the ice? All right, cool. Let's go kick some ass together now. Like, you know, I don't have to worry about you. You don't have to worry about me now. (laughs) Yeah. But, but it's the potential, the risk reward, I guess is a better way to put it for Evander King. Oh yeah. When you say, well, this, this guy's a 40-goal scorer. I'm going to roll the dice on him. As to where end of his career, Corey Perry, I, I mean, good for Corey Perry. Don't get me wrong. Dude upgraded in the best <laughs> yeah. possible way. Yeah, he did. For team he started the year with to team he finished it with. But I just, I didn't understand why make the move and take the risk and make that effort. I, I mean, I, I think it's, again, it's just trying to shore up a little more, like, with him, it's the playoff grit, this and that, even though he's never won a cup. Uh, you know, it's... it's Corey Perry won a cup. Uh, Anaheim? Anaheim, yeah. Okay. I thought there was, uh, what was it, the past three years, though, he's been on the cup losers, right? Oh, oh yeah. Past few years, he was Montreal and Tampa and 
but all the wrong Colorado, places. Colorado, right? I don't think he was. On no, Colorado. he wasn't on Colorado. Uh, who Colorado beat? Tampa. Tampa. So he was on Tampa. Yeah, then. yeah. There we go. I I remember him being in that Cup final. I feel like. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's the playoff experience. It's the veteran status. It's you know, low risk, high reward. If it fails, he's scratched and sitting in the press box and, you know, Nick Benino'd or whatever, you know, with the Rangers where you're, yeah. you're you know, DFA'd essentially. Um, yeah. You know, so it, it's the low risk, high reward, but it, it really, to me, uh, it made, it did make sense because of like everything you said with Ken Holland and second chances and, this just had the Vander Kane thing written all over it. Out, outside of the Vander Kane stuff was much more public knowledge of what happened, where we still really don't yeah. know what happened with the Corey Perry stuff in Chicago. Um, yeah. But it made sense that they would want him. And there were a few teams that I know were were actually courting Corey Perry. I know the Rangers' name was, was in on it. It seemed like everybody that was kind of a solidified, uh, you know, top two in their uh, divisions or their conferences seem to be kind of pushing for him. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he wasn't nearly as much of a risk as I thought in that case, if that many teams were potentially interested in him. I I know the Rangers Uh, were linked to him and I feel like Detroit was linked to him for a hot minute. The Rangers are linked to every, the Rangers. It's like, it's like, it's like in baseball where everybody's linked to the Mets or the Yankees or the Dodgers because it just jacks up their perceived value. Yeah. But yeah, the, the Oilers, I don't know. I would not bet against them. No, point. I wouldn't. And that even includes if they, you know, if they, I, I'm curious to see what the trade deadline is because just moving into the trades, I guess, uh, there were two big trades over the past, really around All-Star Week, just kind of shocking the world uh, or shocking the hockey world, I, I, I guess, because we don't really see trades this early. Or if we do, they're not trades like this where the biggest prize or the so-called perceived biggest prize of this year's trade deadline was going to be Elias Lindholm uh, and the Vancouver Canucks, which, by the way, Lindholm also scored tonight already. Um, The Canucks landed Lindholm from the Flames, who got uh, three players in return, uh, first-round draft pick and a conditional 2024 pick. And as far as the players go and this trade goes, John... um, what was your take when you saw Elias Lindholm traded to the Canucks? You know, I I go back and forth with this because obviously any a, a team like Vancouver, you know, when you have one Swedish center named Elias, you got to go out and get another. Uh, despite the fact they're pronounced differently, we'll we'll gloss over that for the sake of my joke. Uh, but you know, it, they had Bo Horvat. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they go out, they trade him for assets. And then they turn around and be like, hey, you know what we really need is a center, a player like Bo Horvat. Let's go out and get Elias Lindholm. <clears throat> well, okay. You bring that up, and I've seen some I, I've seen some Islander fans do that, like, ho ho ho, we we got we got Bo Horvat, and, and some criticism as well from Canucks fans saying, like, well, why'd you trade Bo Horvat? I still don't have an issue with actually either one of those trades 
in the moment and even in hindsight with the Bo Horvat one, I don't think if you're the Canucks, you could have afforded to pay Bo, Bo Horvat what Bo Horvat ended up getting with the Islanders. Uh, he wasn't going to take a discount with you. He wanted that deal. He got that deal with the Islanders. So I don't think it would have been wise for them to be locked into that. Just like I don't think it's wise for the Islanders to be locked into that. Um, but they were missing the playoffs last year and they were able to get a first round draft pick. Like they were able to make a trade that they, that they have now parlayed off into Elias Lindholm being a rental for the year, which yes, I know rental yada, 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 but in the short term, the Canucks went from missing the playoffs last year to they are now looking like a true powerhouse that could make a cup run out of the West. So why not go out and make the move for the short term that you feel that you can make? Like, you're okay with the first round picks. You're okay with that. Yeah. You're, like, it's a, yeah. like they're in a position where they, they, they can afford to give up a first. And two pretty, you know, uh, intriguing prospects uh, and an NHL, young NHL player in his second year in, in Kuzmenko, who's struggled this year after having a solid rookie year, struggled this year. So, you know, the Flames are banking on this is a change of scenery thing, but this could be, you know, the Canucks traded away a guy who doesn't need a change of scenery, just kind of what he's doing this year is who he is and. I'm okay with sometimes trading away prospects because you never know what they turn into. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, there are this sure thing prospects where you're not drafting Sidney Crosby and trading Sidney Crosby. You're not doing that, but I'm okay with going. I mean, this guy, you know, like he's still projected a year out. He could turn into a top six guy. Maybe not trade him. I'm okay with trading him. <laughs> Especially if you're in a position like Vancouver yeah. is, where they are, this is like the Elias Lindholm trade is not a move that you make to, like we talked about with the Kings, maybe squeak into the wild card. You're making this trade because you feel like you genuinely can win the Stanley Cup, and I don't think Vancouver's delusional in thinking that. No, what well, the the uh, the funny thing that stands out to me as part of the trade is that uh, they talked with uh, Andre Kuzmenko about what, you know, the process was like. And apparently he was already on a beach in Mexico uh, dirt, you know, for the all-star break uh, and was talking with uh, Craig Conroy and the flames coach, whose name escapes me at the moment, just like trying to convince him to waive his no trade clause and come to Calgary which that's a that's a work call you love taking yeah. while on vacation, right? Yeah. By the way, we might be living in a totally different city when we get back. Yeah. Uh, but Kuzmenko played in the KHL for a little while before coming over. He's 28 years old. Uh, his rookie year, he had 39 goals. Mm -hmm. Now, some of that may be due to having a coach like Bruce Boudreaux who says, hey, go out there, have fun. Um, some of that may also be due to the fact that he was shooting 27% that year. Uh, so I would not expect him to go into Calgary and be a potential 40 goal guy. Uh, he's had eight goals so far this year and he's shooting 12%. I think that's probably more what you expect out of him. He's probably closer to being a reliable 20 goal guy than he is, 
a uh, potential 40 goal scorer. Uh, he's only signed for one more year, though. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much of the long term plan he's going to be uh, for the Flames. As much as uh, Hunter Borek, Borek, Bor, wow, I'm usually not the one that doesn't know how to pronounce it, but Hunter Bor, Borchevitz. Yeah, Bruschewitzki. Sorry. Borchevitz? Hunter B. <laughs> I think this is what everyone listens to is how long it takes us to get to the right pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, yeah, he's having a monster year in the OH. Yeah. Granted, granted, he's an overager, so you would hope that he was doing that in his, you know, his draft plus one year. But uh, I, I think that is going to be the name to commit to memory out of this trade more than uh, Kuzmenko. Yeah, and and that's what I mean by you know you get you get intriguing prospects at least at least one like you mentioned Hunter that that you really kind of have an eye on. But that's why I'm okay with if you are a team that feels like it is time to push the chips into the middle and you can afford it, you don't need the prospect hub. You don't need to. I, I don't see the point in it sometimes because because truly you know we we've, we've talked about it how many first round picks end up actually making it into the into the NHL and sticking around how you know like you just never know what you truly have until it gets out there and sometimes it's better to sell high on the prospect aspect and you know hopefully they turn into something for the other team if they don't. You dodged a bullet because they didn't turn into that because they didn't turn into a bus for you, you know. So, yeah, and and they're also saying Vancouver could potentially make more moves. I think it's, if they do, it's going to have to involve prospects because they don't have a first or a second. Yeah, at, at this point, it, it's it's players being moved, or they're going to be doing like that conditional, like next year conditional this. Well, really, we're sending you this and this, but it could turn into this if we win the cup yada 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 yeah. all that crap that you know yeah. we end up going like wait so it was really a trade for a fifth but it, it's really a trade for a third next year you know because yeah this is a team that's probably going to like the eastern conference or western conference finals yada 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 but uh i do want to yeah. i, I want to ask you do you think that this is uh so have the flames finally signaled um give us a call sign anybody that's on a one-year contract Oh, absolutely. Somehow the Flames have ended up in a position to just control the rest of the trade deadline because there wasn't any sort of movement here. Then all of a sudden, as soon as Elias Lindholm goes, another center ends up moving. Yeah. And I think we are sitting back and waiting to see where Chris Tanev ends up moving before other defensemen will kind of follow suit from there. Yeah. Tanev is uh, oh, good point actually, because Tanev is, I, I guess would be, unless the Chikrin, you know, there, there, the rumors of Chikrin, even though Ottawa denies it. Yeah. Uh, so unless the Chikrin rumor mill is legitimate, uh, yeah, that's, that's the defenseman. Everybody's going to be keeping going to be, vying for because he's got another year of control as well so you have a, a young defenseman but is that the defenseman that puts you over and makes you a true cup contender and makes you the cup winner if you're a team like the avalanche or somebody like that that, that might be in the market uh, i don't know if the abs are in the market for a defenseman but teams that are in the market for uh defensemen 
Uh, plus, what's the return going to be on that? Uh, but you're right. That could be the the defenseman that holds up the D market. Uh, and once he goes, it's kind of all the other defensemen that, you know, are available this year start to move. Yeah. And and to look at kind of where he kind of would fit into all of it, I don't think Tanev is going to be the guy that you get to, you know, throw on first line power play or something like uh, that. But especially, you know, if, if Tanev is your first pairing defenseman, you're probably in trouble. If he is your number four, number five, number six defenseman, that's a really good sign for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And 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 as far as I, I had one other thing that stood out about Vancouver that I wanted to oh, mention yeah. is that they are already kind of deep at center. And you, I went through the list. It's, you know, JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, Teddy Bulger, uh, Pia Suter. Uh, the big issue that Vancouver would have with all four of them, all of them are left-handed. Hmm. Lindholm, right-handed. Gives you a lot more versatility when it comes to picking face-offs and who's taking what when you're at home and stuff like that. Um it feels like a nitpick. It really does in that aspect. But having a right-handed center is something they specifically talked about really liking about him. And if you like your team that much that you're starting to drill down into like handedness of players, I think you're in really good shape. Yeah. Uh, but but that's to say nothing of the value that uh, Lindholm will probably provide on the PK as well, given that he's, you know, a Selkie finalist and a former 40 goal scorer, uh, Lindholm that may have let the flames play Kingmaker. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Lindholm has had kind of a down year, but you figure the position that he's going to be in on the Canucks. Uh, as I mentioned, he's already, he's got the Canucks goal. Uh, he got their first period goal on the power play. So, you know, he's going to be a power play guy in the front of the net. He's got those quick hands. He's capable of being a 40 goal scorer. So it's, it's not what he's done this year on the Flames. It's what he, we know he's capable of doing, which, you know, makes this a great pickup for Vancouver. I really like this pickup for Vancouver. Uh, I, again, in the short term, I like this move for Vancouver a lot. It, it's, it is. A, for sure. It's, uh, this was allegedly the number one center on the market this year. So, you know, that's, that's a huge pickup. Uh Maybe not the number. I don't know where he was ranked center-wise on the market. Uh, I know he was up there, and and he was going to get moved for sure. And that's Montreal or former Montreal Canadian center Sean Monahan, uh, now a member of the Winnipeg Jets, as he got moved by the Canadians for uh, 2024 first and a conditional 2027 third. Uh, not shocked that this cost a first following the Lindholm trade. Uh, for sure. I still find that really high for Sean Monahan, though, because I, I think so too. Yeah, I, I'm curious where you put Monahan because to me, Monahan, good player, can drive the puck five on five, but doesn't really put up the big numbers five on five. Is more of a special teams type of guy, and I consider yeah, more not- of a third center. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I would be comfortable putting him higher than my third line center on a really competitive team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, with the number one center off the market, 
I think it really enabled Montreal to say, hey, all of your, you know, center prospects are about to dry up. If you want this player, you better make this move. Mm -hmm. And Kevin Sheveldayoff, the GM for the Jets, never gets a rental player, ever. So, again, team that thinks they can probably go all the way, and I think that depends a lot more on how far Connor Hellebuck feels like taking them. I mean, he's having a in a year. Yeah. And and it's it's been it's such an interesting sort of image rehab that's happened for Sean Monahan because he, he got picked six over, overall by the Flames. I want to say in 2018, I could be wrong about that. Uh, has a decent start to his career, but the last couple of years just really falls off. And uh, he has wrist surgeries. He has a herniated disc. He has a thumb issue. He has worked on on both of his hips. So he really starts to develop a reputation as a player that can't stay healthy, that's being overpaid. And Calgary includes a first-round pick with Monaghan, moves him to Montreal for future considerations. They just wanted to dump the cap move for him and they were willing to give up a first round pick to do yeah that says a lot (laughs) yeah and then monahan dusts himself off a little he spends two over two seasons in montreal he plays 74 games he puts up 52 points and now he's being traded for another first Mm -hmm. so this is a this is a nice bit of business here by montreal yeah they turned uh i they turned him into two first round picks somehow uh, and I don't believe that he's ever really been worth a first in either of those trades. But, uh, you know, even if, especially if you're trying to dump them off, like you hold all the, mm, whatever. Um, it just, that, that trade blows my mind still. Um, I, yeah, I don't listen. It's, it's a move. I think it, it helps the jets, but I don't really think it moves the needle the way a Lindholm move did. Uh, as far as, yeah. And like, as far as the jets go, they, there's still a few more things that they would need to do that. I don't know if they're going to do. Cause I feel like they're going to look at this and go, see, we made the move. Like we, yeah. we traded our first for Sean Monahan. And then I don't know, but I, I'll tell you this, where the center market has been set at, you know, does that mean Adam Henrique is worth a first round pick? I, I think the conversation starts at a first round pick for Adam Henrique. Uh, it goes from there. I mean, hey, really? For Adam Henrique? Because, you know, I mean, uh, supply and demand. Thing. Yeah, it is. It is the supply and demand because the centers that are out there this year, a lot of them are third line centers. But I do. And here's the thing I think that there are certain teams, I think a team like the Jets, they needed more, they needed Lindholm more than the Canucks did. Um, a- absolutely. Yeah. Because the, the Canucks have a lot that you can point to for their future uh, that where they just are humming on all cylinders. Their goaltending is looking good. Their defense is looking good. And a lot of these players are secured for a while here. Um, for Winnipeg, this might be it, man. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that you have to go all in at this because this is the best chance you're going to have at a successful season. Uh, probably for quite some time. And at the same time, too, I mean, Hellebuck has been carrying that team for years. He's got his extension. He's going to stay. You only got, like, maybe another three, four-year window, including this one with him? 
you know, if that, if that, because of his age, because you know, it's going to, I mean, unless he plays at a high level until he's like 36, 37, great. I would love that. But I don't know if that's possible considering how many miles he already has on him because of playing for Winnipeg. Yeah. And, and there's just, there's so much that's coming to a head next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nikolai Ellers will have one deal left or one year left on his deal next year. Uh, Alex Liafalo will be in that same category. Uh, if you go look at their defense, Nate Schmidt, Neil Pump, Pionk, like a lot of people have potential to move right oh, yeah. out of Winnipeg oh, yeah. uh, starting next year. So I, this could be a team that makes it to the conference final and then is a seller at the deadline the next year. It, it, it's all just kind of up in the air for them. But I don't, I don't hate the deal for them because of that aspect. Because they're they have games in hand in the standings right now. They could be the number one team in the seven. I mean, listen, when it's all set. They absolutely. I, I'm I'm proud of them for going out and doing it because they're they're they are showing that they they want to make a run and that they would like to win a playoff series uh so they're they're making that push you know from last year being eliminated and calling out the players and all of that to now that they're sitting here and they're trading for Sean Monahan a month before the deadline to keep making that push you know props props to them and it is and it, again it helps them I just don't me personally, it doesn't move my needle to go, oh man, let me, you know who you really need to put your money on? Let me tell you about this Jets team out there in Winnipeg. Like, it, it's a good, solid move. It helps. I just, you know, I think that there could have been other routes to go that wouldn't have cost so much. There could have been other players to look at. Uh, I just haven't been big on Monaghan. I've ever since I've seen Monahan's name, yeah. it's, it's really honestly the one you know. I don't think Henrique is worth a first, but Adam Henrique is a type of player that intrigues me for a, a playoff team looking for a, a, a depth at center and more center help. Um, oh, who is it? There's uh, somebody on Columbus. Oh God, why is names blanking right now? Um, uh, I'm gonna have to look it up, but there, there, there's. There are players out there that I think could help more than Monaghan, but I understand why Monaghan demanded what he demanded and why why he was the next center to be traded. Yeah, and it becomes a thing to where when you're picked that high in the draft too, you always kind of have that associated with you. And it takes work to really kind of separate the player from that draft pick. So if you if you look at Sean Monahan just as the player that he is, he's a really good addition to have somewhere. He's not great offensively all the time, even though he has a reputation for just having ice water in his veins and big pressure situations. But to have a really good chance to look at him just as he is right now, rather than what he was hyped up to be throughout most of the his early career you know he's he's worth adding to your team he's not necessarily worth a first round pick but i i think he's probably worth a first round pick to the jets yeah yeah um well i guess we're just gonna have to see where uh 
the trade market goes and all of that. But do you have any other uh, thoughts on this trade or? Uh, no, that wraps it up here for me. I okay. think, uh, I think Montreal's stacking things up pretty nicely here. They could, uh, they could really have something here in a few years if they play their cards right. Yeah. If they play their cards, if right. they manage their assets, like they've managed, uh, like they managed Sean Monahan, they'll be in real good shape there. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, they got they got pretty good. Uh, they got they got management there that uh, apparently won't uh, answer a phone call if it's Chris Jury. Um, <laughs> did you see that, by the way? No. Are they are they mad about the Scott Gomez deal? No, no. <laughs> you wish. Um, no, Jeff <laughs> Jeff Gordon is the. Uh, uh, runs hockey operations and stuff like that over there. Uh, famously, uh, Jeff Gordon was general manager of the New York Rangers and was fired for current general manager Chris Drury to take his position. Uh, so apparently there was conversation of, because uh, both of the guys traded were were apparently uh, linked to the Rangers, of course, as we mentioned, everybody is. But everybody kept saying that Monahan was a no-go because Jeff Gordon would not allow a phone call to be taken if Chris Jury called for any of his players. Uh, so wow. do not expect them to ever work out a deal because he's apparently still pissed at everything that happened in New York. Wow. It's so funny to hear about how teams end up holding grudges. <laughs> like, like for, for I don't remember what it was that upset them with it but i i want to say uh like boston was offering like a a bigger extension or something to one of the red wings players in the early 90s and like ownership just came out and it was like we do not make deals with the boston bruins <laughs> and and then like the the tyler bertuzzi trade became like the first deal they had made since or like going back for to like 1993 or something absurd like that. Holy crap. This would be a way better story if I remembered the details, uh, but, but still it's, it's maybe, maybe we'll do an episode on that, uh, a light day or something like that, where we'll do yeah. one of those like teams that held grudges and, and what the stupid grudge was about. Because to me, I, uh, I, we didn't even mention Off this. Yeah, yeah, but we didn't even mention this with the trades, and we don't have to really go into it. But but as far as um, the Canucks and the Flames making two trades with each other this season, two teams within division, something you normally are told doesn't happen. I find it weird that people wouldn't answer a phone call on a trade because it's a from pot, someone it, not in your division yeah well just from somebody like why would i hold a grudge and not answer it? like if the rangers were to have called for instance and montreal hung up and then you find out that the rangers were willing to offer up capo caco and a first round pick for monahan and all mm -hmm. they got was a first and a conditional third or fourth whatever the hell it was i i moved my notes you know but a first and a conditional pick it would be like, why Why the hell didn't you answer the call? They were willing to give you an NHL-ready third-line player and a first, and you're... And you let your ego shoot it down. Exactly, yeah. you know, so I don't understand why you would never listen and take a call from somebody because it could be the best trade offer you are ever going to get in your time as a GM. And, and the other thing that I thought was interesting for this trade for Monaghan is that the third-round pick 
that's included in there is for 2027. <laughs> and so I was looking, I'm like, that the player that's that third round pick is like 15 right now. So and I wonder if, <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder if GMs think that way. They're like, well, I traded a 15 year old today. Well, that was fun. So, okay. I actually, excuse me. I actually think that some GMs, like for instance, and we talk about this with certain contracts that, that GMs hand out, you know, in Vancouver's case, um, or not Vancouver, uh, in Winnipeg's case, giving up that, 2027 third i might not be here that's not my board that's not my yeah. you know i don't need to worry yeah. about not having a third round pick that year that wasn't me it's, you know yeah it's, i don't need to worry about that well my i got fired because we didn't win the cup you know like exactly you know so exactly. I, I think that there's that thought process as well of like when they trade away those conditional picks is like i'm not gonna be here for another two years Are you kidding me my window is like a, a year and a half this is all about to go away who cares? Yeah. Um, something that could go away. The Coyotes. Well, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Uh, but the NHLPA had some comments. Uh, they weren't too happy with the Coyotes there. Uh, so I guess to sum this up and to kind of quickly get into this, uh, the Coyotes insist they're committed to building a new arena in Arizona, hinting that they'll have some exciting news soon. Gary Bettman uh, for the All-Star Weekend even said that they told him that they'll get it done. Uh, but then Marty Walsh, the executive director of the NHL Players Association, he opened his mouth and he ain't buying it. Walsh blasted the Coyotes on Friday for failing to meet the multiple deadlines to build an NHL-worthy arena in the greater Phoenix area also for declining to meet with player representatives to discuss the team's future in the Valley. He said he had serious concerns about the franchise while suggested that the Coyotes should move to another location. Uh, something we'll talk about as well here, Utah being the likeliest candidate. Should they not have an arena deal in place by the end of this season? Whoo. And then he goes on, he continues to blast them, but uh, that's the big one right there. Um, no faith. No belief. John, do you believe in the Coyotes' ownership to get an arena done? You remember the South Park version of Game of Thrones? Yeah. <laughs> where they're talking about how winter's coming and uh, <coughs> the dragons are going to be coming. So many and, days. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and uh, oh, no, pizzas are on the way. Actually, it's going to be two pizzas. It, just, it goes on and on like that, and nothing ever really comes of it. And I feel Walking like... through the garden, a plot <laughs> against somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, the, and that's what Marty Walsh is doing yeah. with the Coyotes' ownership right here. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's just... If this was going to work, it would have worked a while ago. Yeah, I, I, I feel like, and and this is the same the same Phoenix Coyotes that wouldn't pay their taxes to the city of Glendale until they made a big public issue out of it, and then oh, sorry, that was a clerical error, and we have this all together, and this, that, and the other, and then you know go on to uh, to make asses of themselves from it. Yeah, it, it seems like this is a franchise that isn't going to go out and do anything until you know there's some sort of embarrassment to be had from it yeah and i think that's exactly what marty walsh is doing here uh because the the exact quote i thought made this 
a little bit more interesting. Uh, it says, we have a team in Arizona that doesn't ha- seem interested in having a conversation with the union that represents the players that play on that team. Unfortunately, we've had two unofficial deadlines come and go to see some movement, and we've seen both of those go past. So I'm interested to see what the owners of the Arizona have on their minds. Um, so in a certain sense, it's almost <coughs> fair for the owners of the Coyotes to turn around and say, well, you're the union rep. We don't answer to you. So, yeah, we'll get everything together for this arena on our own time. Uh, and Gary Bettman, as he always has, has stood very much behind uh, the Coyotes and says, uh, we have a tendency to not contradict owners unless we have concrete evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, it's like, yeah, you don't have to mess with Marty Walsh, but the guy was mayor of Boston for a number of years. Uh this is kind of small potatoes to him, I would think. Yeah. So if if it were up to me, I would cooperate with the guy. But you know, I don't own a sports team. So Yeah. I, I don't want to be mad. I don't want to piss off Marty Walsh. All right. Um and I think it kind of I think because he comes from politics and Boston politics, he know it like I, I, I he knows that Arizona is just kind of bluffing. Phoenix is bluffing here. And and I'm kind of at that point where I feel like Phoenix is really bluffing. They don't have anything. And I hate to say it because I, since the Coyotes came into existence, I have loved, loved the idea of there being a team in Phoenix, a team in Arizona, a team in Glendale, wherever the hell they played. I loved the idea of there being a team in that state. Like, I loved the Coyotes. I thought that it was such a cool, you know, ah, hockey in the desert. Hockey in the desert. How great. Well, we have hockey in the desert of Nevada, and it works fabulous. We have hockey in the desert. Uh, You know, uh, I think think he just scored again, by the way. (laughs) Elias Lindholm. Yeah, (laughs) they just got another power play goal, and he was in front, and I think he redirected it again. Um amazing yeah <laughs> so he's now beating carolina two to one um i just i i can't see how you can keep giving this franchise a chance to not do their job and and with utah uh the owner of the jazz coming out and and the nhl by the way uh that announcement with utah would like for 33 teams and yada, 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 and expansion. Um, the NHL isn't a big fan of when people just do that. So the fact mm-hmm. that they did that in the NHL has kind of been like, oh, that's cool. The NHL was well aware of that. The <laughs> NHL is cool with that. And the NHL is thinking about Utah for hockey. Um, whether we actually need an expansion, I, I don't think we're – I don't think we're ready to go to 33 and then inevitably 34. And then that probably is going to push us to 36 at some point. I don't think we are ready for that. I think we are fine where we are. So I do think that realistically it's time to start looking at the coyotes being moved to Utah. And, and the, the tough part of that though, is if you move the Phoenix out of, <laughs> or move the Coyotes rather out of Phoenix. The NHL is going right back there first chance they get because it's too much of a TV market to pass up. Mm-hmm. And when when uh, they move the Thrashers to Winnipeg, 
Gary Bettman specific, they, they asked him, you know, what gets you, you know, to the point where you're talking about or willing to move a team. And he said, when I can't find anyone in the market to own the team. So it would take a lot to make this move. And frankly, if I'm a potential sports owner, I see Seattle gets the expansion draft and is halfway decent. Mm. I see Vegas gets the expansion draft and, you know, already wins the cup. I'm not all that interested in acquiring the Coyotes. That's a good point. It's a real good point. You Nowadays, is it better to inherit a team moving? And this is actually a great question throughout all our sports because, you know, um, if you look at all sports now with how many teams you have, it has diluted the pool of players uh when you when you really think about it at the end of the day you know like only six teams at hockey everybody kind of had multiple superstars some teams like you know montreal were just nothing but superstars up and down uh but then you start expanding the league out now all of a sudden it becomes harder for everybody to have uh, uh, multiple stars let alone one star uh, you see it in baseball with starting pitching. There's starting pitching. How many aces are actually in Major League Baseball? There's not 30 Major League Baseball aces in the sport, but there are 30 teams that have five-man starting rotations. There aren't 32 elite goalies in NHL. There's, you know, what, five at best, and the rest are teams trying to make a 1A, 1B situation happen. So, yeah, that's a great point. Like, cause you can put together a team of somewhat serviceable players, Seattle, and make it work. As opposed to just getting a team that has fundamentally failed kind of building its everything. The one counter to that that I heard that I really was able to buy into because I'm I'm kind of with you at, at a certain yeah. point we have to turn around and say how many teams is enough I'm trying to mark off every NHL arena they're not making it easier <laughs> on me. Uh, but you can also keep in mind when there were six teams in the NHL <laughs> all the players came from Canada yeah you barely had any American players to start the team, despite there being four American markets. And now as we've gr- as the NHL has grown, you have started to see other teams pop up or other players come from places like Germany, like Slovakia, Slovenia. Uh, we talked about uh, Lithuanian players earlier this season. There's yeah you're seeing players come from a much more diverse set of backgrounds and a much more diverse number of countries. And I think that's something that should be considered for expansion. I don't think it should be the sole reason for expansion, but I think you have to consider it that, you know, you can still get high quality players. You just need to diversify the number of places that they come from. Uh, What was kind of concerning was uh, when Bettman started talking about expansion in his press conference at the All-Star Game, uh, the cities that he mentioned, yeah. uh, you know, the typical Houston, Kansas City, Atlanta. Did you catch the other two that maybe raised my eyebrows a little? Bit? Uh, no. Cincinnati and Omaha. Ha! Huh. Omaha. <laughs> now, now... Now, refresh my memory. Have you been to Salt Lake City? 
Uh, I have not been to Salt Lake City. Gotcha. I've been there a couple times for work. Very cool place. Uh, definitely the type of metropolitan area that you would put a NHL team. Okay. Uh, people are a little weird, but definitely a cool city. I've been to Omaha. I've been to Cincinnati many times, both of them. Uh, no, dog. No. Well, uh, I want to say Cincinnati is a bigger, it's it's at least a top 75 market. It's got to be. If, if I recall, I think so. it, is. it is, uh, it might even be a top 50 market off the top of my head. Um, and you got a hockey team there. Um, or, you have an ECHL team. No, yeah, Let's yeah, be yeah. sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, the Cincinnati, yeah. um, you got a baseball, Cyclones. uh, you got a baseball team there. Oh, the Reds. Yeah. Uh, so you have a professional sport there that, that works. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else there. Uh, you got Bob France there. That's a big draw. <laughs> so, uh, and, and Skyline Chili, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I could see Cincinnati, like, makes sense to me. I was shocked Cleveland because uh, I figured, you know, the minute I heard all the other cities, one Kansas City is always going to be the – I feel like that's mm-hmm. – here's the thing. If they're putting a team in Utah, Kansas City's not getting a team. Yeah, you're going. You're going. It's going, to be, it's going to be somewhere, and and Omaha is probably not going to get a team. Uh, Houston would could have a shot. I could say, eh, maybe Omaha. Yeah, no, Houston, Houston could have a sense. shot. Houston, Houston definitely. Houston, one hundred percent to me makes more sense than uh, than Atlanta at this point because you've done Atlanta twice. You've moved twice from Atlanta. I, I just. As much as I get it, you love going back to those places. It's time to go back to Houston because, you know, it's time to do that. It's time to give Houston a team. Uh, that's why I was shocked Cleveland wasn't on that list because I figured they would have loved to have tried to try Cleveland again. Yeah, I, I think economically Cleveland just has never really bounced back from Rust Belt status the way some other cities have. Yeah. And so I think it's putting a new team there is kind of an uphill battle. Uh, and then in addition to that, you have the, uh, you have the blue jackets, AHL team in Cleveland and they seem to do just fine, but they also play in the Cavs arena. Mm. So it's not like they have their own dedicated space there, but if you, if you found a way to make it work with the Cavs arena, I'm sure Cleveland could work too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's just one of those things as well where you have to think of the um, location of where they're adding the team, what division they're adding it in. You know, you're not going to add it. Yeah, that too. You know, you're not going to add Utah, which is, is that mountain time? Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's that's another important consideration for that too, because Utah isn't far from Pacific time with Nevada being right there, Mm -hmm. but it would be weird to not make it a central team, especially when uh, if you're looking at going to Houston too. Yeah, yeah, but but you know what? I I guess that mountain time thing it kind of it kind of it's weird, but I, I guess it kind of works because it's only an hour as opposed to. I mean, and when you think about it, the Coyotes, they're Arizona, man. And doesn't Arizona have like the four and the two hour time change or whatever? Uh, uh, Arizona is an oddball just because they don't. Yeah, they don't do it. So don't they end up four hours at some point? Like it's a four hour time change at some point. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I don't know because see, this is the other thing that makes Phoenix so necessary at that point because you if I don't know what else you would do with the Pacific Division because you can't break up Calgary and Edmonton. Well, that's where Utah would go. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's would, why. That's have- why I think. That's why I think. That's why I think it would be you get a West team, then you would get an East team, then you would have to uh, eventually get like a Central team and, and another one that can go into uh, either the Atlantic or the Metro. Yeah, it, it, it may Probably not be Atlantic. super ideal time zone wise. I know Nashville was in a division once upon a time that had all. Eastern time zone teams, and that was a bit of a struggle, but, you know, it works out. Yeah, same with Detroit uh, and and Chicago. You guys guys were thrown into different time zones, uh, different conferences with time zones that were... Yeah, Detroit was a Western Conference team. Yeah, yeah, so it's... It's like that's and I know that was part of the uh, deal, right? With uh, You told me that, right? That that was part of the deal with Detroit? will go west but the next time you realign we have to be put back in our yeah. rightful time slot time slot yeah they 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 did their best to be the good soldiers there but it's it's fine that, that division used to be chicago st louis nashville columbus detroit that division was rocked like, dude that division was awesome it, it did but just like geographically no time sense. zone wise yeah. it was so weird it made no sense uh if, if you were a fan of a team you could you'd be like why are we starting at three o'clock today and why is the next night it's starting at nine <laughs> uh, yeah, let me tell you about staying up till 10 o'clock for 25 percent of your games. i listen uh, i i i rem- the rangers did their west coast trip this year i don't mind it with my lifestyle now Working later in the day, I enjoy the night games now because I can actually stay up for them. Uh, but believe me, I know I'm the rare exception because Twitter was not happy with the fucking 10 o'clock starts. <laughs> uh, and all it was on that Ranger, and I know this isn't a Ranger show, and I'll shut up about that here in a second, but all it was for that West Coast, that last West Coast trip was, oh, thank God tonight's the last night because every game – they only have one that starts after 7.30 from this point on the rest of the year. This is great. And I was like, oh, man, you mean, Because <laughs> there's a part of me that loves the fact that uh, the wife is asleep when the game is on and doesn't have to see this horrible side exactly, of Exactly, exactly. You get it because she then is like, you know, as, as any, you know, oh, is that so? Is that, and it's just kind of like, it's not helping. It's not helping. <laughs> so, like I get that you don't get it, but mm, that's not helping. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to I'm ready to throw something right now. No. Um. All right. So, Coyotes. We'll. I guess we'll see what happens there. Um. All right. Next thing up, and uh, we're getting close to the end here. Big episode. Uh, Hockey Canada. Uh, I guess we don't have to go into a lot of you know. We we know we know generally uh, what happened, but comments have been made. Uh, players have officially been charged. Teams are getting long term salary cap relief. Um, yeah, this thing's a mess. I didn't hear about the salary cap relief. That's weird. <laughs> oh, you didn't? No. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Uh, so all of the teams, uh, the Flyers, Devils, Flames, 
uh, they're gonna they're gonna get some uh, salary cap relief due to uh, these players. Well, as Bettman said, they are uh, no longer uh, on their teams. They're free agents. They're 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 not playing. Oh wow! Yeah, so they're they're. I didn't know they went that far. Yeah, they're 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 pretty much they're pretty much cut from their teams, and everybody's getting a little bit of money back for it. Uh, what was it? I think the biggest one, Carter Hart, is clearly the biggest. Like, I think that's like one point five yeah. million or something like that. The Flyers get everybody else is like the five hundred thousand, this and that. Yeah, I, I for for those that aren't familiar, the five players are uh, Dylan Dubé from the Flames, Calfa and Michael McLeod from the. Uh, Devils, Carter Hart from the Flyers, and Alex Formanton was playing it, uh, formerly of the Ottawa Senators. I think he was playing in Europe at the time. Uh, The charges started to come down. Uh, But yeah, I was was surprised to see them take that route because it's it's unusual for there to be you know a chance to just sever everything with somebody just for someone accused of a crime, you know? Yeah, but... This is, I know, I know that they're accused, but this is definitely a very different, this is a different situation. This is a very different thing. Um, I, sorry, I'm just looking at my notes here. Yeah, uh, for, for those, because this is just, uh, this is, this is a serious topic. So I just want to have everything in order. Yeah, uh, they are, they stand accused of, uh, they were all members of the 2018 mm-hmm. uh Canada World Junior Team. Uh, they were attending a golf fundraiser in uh, London, Ontario. Uh, one of them ended up bringing a girl back to their hotel room, and all five of them committed sexual assaults on her, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Um, Save one. And, and, and also, as of now, Carter Hart, uh, Alex, Formention, uh, Michael McLeod, Kale Foote, and Dylan Dubé have been charged with one count of sexual assault. Uh, McLeod yes. facing an additional charge of sexual assault. Um, yeah, so it's it's going to be a circus, man. Uh, in, in it already, yeah, is. like it's just gonna. I I know the the cameras are out there in London on, on and and it's just gonna keep. It's going to be that way for a long time. Uh, I know they, uh, the police department apologized to the uh, victim and for how long it has taken for this to come, but. Which is a super weird thing to do, right? Uh, well, they, I think it's also because at first they, they weren't even going to try it at first. They, 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 at first yeah, they, they shot her dropped away. It. They dropped it and they had to pick it back up at some point. I, I think that's the case. I don't totally know everything going on with it at that part. And the police aren't anxious to say a tremendous amount of it, of it. Cause it is, you know, going to court. Yeah. Uh, the victim isn't uh, overly thrilled with how public everything's become for it. Uh, uh, but, but and I hate to say this, but you gotta, you, you had to expect that, right? Like, come on, you had to have expected to that. a degree. To a degree, for sure. And, and every time I hear somebody on a podcast bring up, it's like, oh, it, you know, sucks that this is happening. It's like, no, 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 no. This is this is the ideal outcome. Yeah. Is it not? 
a crime gets committed and someone has to end up facing consequences for it. And uh, probably a little bit more of a public light on this than if they were trying, you know, 18, 19 year olds. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not don't get me wrong. I'm not thrilled that this happened. I think we should all be very sad that this happened. But the fact that, you know, a trial's coming (laughs) about and even if it's going to take until 2026 to get resolved like this is this is a good thing. You got to take your victories where you can get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And um, yeah, it really it's it's I I, I, you you said everything best. I really can't add anything to that. You kind of nailed it uh, because it is it's not sad. Uh, I've seen some takes of, oh, the, these guys' career. I don't care about these guys' careers. Uh, if the, if yeah. these guys are found, if the evidence presented shows that they did what they're accused of, I don't care about their hockey careers moving forward. Yeah. Um, because they lost the right to have that. Um, so yeah, it's just uh, it's it's gonna be a while. This is gonna be a long, long, and there's not gonna be many answers for a while. Uh, the public light of this, though, it's gonna be interesting when more of this starts coming out, uh, and when the trial begins and we start getting those. Because if it's a big deal, man, this is a huge story in Canada. It might not seem like it here in America. It might be like what, but believe me like in canada this is they are this is the way we were glued to oj and stuff like that like that that's going to be media coverage for this that level of cameras there at the courthouse trying to get shots of these former players um it's going to be it's going to be something man it's going to be really wild these next two plus years yeah and, and you know we'll we'll see where this ends up going. Uh, speaking of things that suck, yeah. Do we want to go to our last item? Oh, the Winter Classic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's go to that. Uh, yeah, let's wrap up. Let's let's wrap up with some more disappointment, and that's the Winter Classic, uh, and the fact that uh, Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks got rewarded with a Winter Classic again. Uh, this time versus the St. Louis Blues. Uh, I do like that it's going to be at Wrigley, where the Chicago Cubs play, uh, better known uh, as the fun. spot where Ferris Bueller went on his day off. Um, but yeah, dude, this is the fourth time that Chicago gets to play in the Winter Classic now. Well, when you put Seattle and Vegas in it and the ratings aren't ideal, you can probably just say, well, let's just go push the Chicago Blackhawks button and then we'll have a game. Spin, spin, spin the, uh, oh, what's the name of the children's toy where it does the spin and then when it lands on the farm animal? I don't know the name of those. Okay. But I know exactly what you're talking that about. That toy, but where it lands on original six team gets to play. <laughs> that's how they figured this out that's how they figured it out oh ratings are bad pull out the toys spin it what original six team gets to play this year (laughs) and and it's and it's odd that uh you know they've done wrigley before and they've done blackhawks blues before but i suppose at a certain point you can only have so many 
of these before you have to start repeating ideas or just getting really, really creative with the types of stadiums and locations you're using. Uh, but, you know, they've been doing Lake Tahoe. They did military academies. Like, they're clearly, clearly stretched for ideas. At yeah. This uh, at this point, too, since we've already gotten the Blackhawks and the Blues, like, at this point, they need to start booking it and promoting it like WWE. Like, like you thought it was once-in-a-lifetime winter classic between Chicago and St. Louis. Think again. And then, like, have, like, a promo of Connor Bedard cutting, like, a promo on the blues and stuff like that. Like, you, you in St. Louis, you have the arch. Nobody likes the arch. And just kind of trying, you know, (laughs) things like that. Like, you know, it's like, why do you have that, America? Ah, and it's like, oh, and then it's like, yeah, that's what we need. We need, like, WrestleMania type hype for these now. We're gonna and, and the Undertaker's there for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> That's the second period intermission. It's better than whatever band they probably have lined up. <laughs> just saying. He just walks out onto the ice and broods for 18 minutes, and then they go back on. It's better than whatever act they have lined up. Uh, now, there is also rumors that this might not actually happen on the first. Um, due to the expanded college football playoff quarterfinals that are going to be held on the 31st and the 1st. So there's a possibility this might be a January 2nd game, which has happened before. Uh, The 2017 one. Yeah, yeah. The 2017 one and the 2023 editions happened on the 2nd. So it is. Yeah, like I... I hate the way the NHL shies away from competing with other sports, and I wish they would you know, put something on Christmas Day or, you know, the day of the Super Bowl or something. Um, I don't think you necessarily need to do that for the Winter Classic. Well, okay. They do program. They do have hockey on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, They just don't go up against the game. And here's the thing. Yeah, that's what I I actually, I actually don't blame them for not going up against the NFL, which is what they didn't do in 17 and 23. They didn't go up against the NFL. And I don't blame them because the ratings, I don't know if you saw the ratings of uh, the NFL on Christmas day this year, which is typically the NBA's day. Yeah. Oh dude, the NFL just one game pulled in more viewers than like all the NBA games combined. Oh yeah! Oh, I you just don't mess saw, with the NFL. <laughs> you just yeah, I, I saw I saw a thing once where it was like the top 100 rated programs, and it has like the Grammys, a uh, political debate, and like Academy Awards, like a couple random things sprinkled in, and then everything else is NFL. Games. Yeah, it's 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 wild how that sport completely has just somehow. And it wasn't Taylor Swift, man. Um, but that's just gonna help. But it is yeah. wild how that sport just dominated. Because I was, because I was curious when uh, when you had the NFL going up against over Christmas going up against basketball. Because I was like, oh, I'll watch. I'm gonna watch basketball. My Knicks play. I'm gonna watch the Knicks. Yeah. And then when I saw the ratings, I was like, oh, I did nothing to help the NBA today. <laughs> I am sorry. I should have I should have just watched football at this rate. 
But even something like American Thanksgiving, you're really telling me you can't give me Toronto Montreal play at night every year? Like, yeah. Oh God, yeah. Uh, there's, well, they they they've grabbed Black Friday, right? Because now they always yeah. have like the Rangers and the Flyers, or the Rangers and the Bruins, or whatever it is. It's always yeah. it's always the Rangers versus one of those two. Um, so they got the Black Friday, like, and I haven't and. Didn't they turn that into like a more than one game this year? I feel like it was. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they turned that into like a date, like into a thing. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, they, that's, they've got that, that's you know, they, they got that going for them. Uh, yeah. I, I, and they play on Halloween. <laughs> okay. So yeah. They got, they got that one. They're going to play on Valentine's day. I saw a Rangers game on Valentine's day before Alexei Kovalov scored a goal. <laughs> was that the sniper game? Uh, that was that was the Nisimov, wasn't it? No, that, was that game that was Mike Dunham's first shutout as a Ranger as well. Uh, to throw oh, a nice. goalie name at you. <laughs> uh, excuse me. That was the uh, game where that was Kovalov's first game back when, for whatever reason, I forgot what year it was when they traded back for him from Pittsburgh at one point. Um, gotcha. what, one of the times where they traded like Peter Nedved to Pittsburgh in a deal with Kovalov. Um, <laughs> speaking uh, of names that <laughs> nobody wanted to hear of throwing, <laughs> Speaking of throwing things out there. Yeah. I had one other thing I wanted to throw at you as a surprise. Oh, let's see if it's what I had on mine. Uh, is it Chicken Nugget Gate? No, it was not Chicken Nugget Gate. Tell me that. We'll end on that. We we don't we don't need to end on Evgeny Kuznetsov going into player assistance, which happened for the Washington Capitals forward, uh, and we don't know why. And we wish him well. Yeah, we wish him well. We don't know why. Uh, that was the last yeah. thing I had. So give me um, Chicken Nugget Gate. Yeah, so it's been a while since we did the show. I will occasionally make notes in pages for next episodes to – put something together here i opened this up i had episode 42 chicken nugget gate and i'm like it took me 20 minutes to figure out what i was talking about what is it echl game toledo walleye kalamazoo wings facing off it is a martin luther king uh day game uh, game starts at like 10 35 okay bunch of kids are there for it a chicken nugget gets thrown on the ice during a face-off. <laughs> the, there ends up being some face-off violation. They go to reset it, and Kirill Tuteyev clears the rogue chicken nugget, takes his stick, flicks it back into the crowd. The referees award him with a 10-minute misconduct. Wow. According to Rule 39.4 in the ECHL, it lays out the reasons a referee can give a 10-minute misconduct. Uh, one of the examples laid out says, deliberately throws any equipment out of the playing area. It's not equipment. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I thought it was important to end on a lighthearted note, given what we discussed, yeah. and uh, quite the controversy over chicken nuggets in Toledo. Yeah, that's that's not a piece of equipment. I've never suited up with a chicken nugget before. I've I've never heard of anyone getting any sort of penalty for throwing any type of food at any sporting event. Yeah. That's how far I'll take it. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. All right. That's uh, that's a new one. That's uh, definitely a new one on me. <laughs> yeah. All right.
great. Well, anyway, what do you got to plug next? Uh, just my Twitter, wonderful underscore radio. That's about it. And if you're in, uh, yeah. and, and, you know, I'll, that's about it. Yeah, that's it. What do you got, John? <laughs> uh, at JT Evans, the number zero is where you will find me on X Herbally known as Twitter. Uh, I not there often, but if you message me there, I'll see it eventually. Yay. All right. Well, uh, until next time. Bye everybody. See ya. May from me home I started left the girls the tomb was nearly broken hundreds saluted father dear and kissed me darling mother drink a pint of beer and tears of grief to smother enough to reap the corn leave where I was born cup to stop the thorn of banished ghosts and goblins brand new pair of brogues rattling all the bugs frightening all the dogs on the rocky road to Dublin one two three four five on the hair a turn or down the rocky road all the way to Dublin whack for all the dogs